All right, the rest of us, let's take our Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 13. And uh, we are currently in a series on how to study our Bibles. Matthew chapter 13, and tonight uh, we're going to spend some time talking about parables. And of course, there's no way in one evening we can finish uh, and discuss everything about parables, but Matthew chapter 13, excuse me, Matthew chapter 13 is one of those chapters in the Bible when you're dealing with parables. Jesus puts more parables in Matthew 13. And uh, by the way, there, there are some things that are different. Jesus also told uh, many stories in the Bible as well, and uh, not just story. Uh, some stories are about real people and real events. A parable is just simply a story, a valuable or allegorical relation or representation of something real in life or nature from which a moral is drawn for instruction. Now, that's Noah Webster's Dictionary. And so let's just look at Matthew chapter 13 and verse 10. It says, And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? And he answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. Now, these few verses that we just read come in between the parable and the explanation of the parable. And so what Jesus is doing here is he is explaining to his disciples the purpose and the reason for this teaching method, for this thing called parables. Now, imagine if you and I were alive in Jesus' day and we had heard that Jesus was a great teacher and many people came and you would have heard of all the miracles that he did and you went to find Jesus and this is what you heard. Now, I'm just going to read the parable and we're going to stop. Now, the disciples got a lot more than the parable. But let's start in verse 1. Of chapter 13, the same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside, and great multitudes were gathered together under him, so that he went into a ship 
and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Now, here's what you would hear, starting right here. Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now at this time, Jesus stopped speaking, and the disciples come to him and say, Why do you speak to them in parables? Now, how many of you know what a sower is? Not needle and thread, amen? But a sower is someone that plants seed. Now, how many of you have ever planted seed? Did it all come up? No, never does. Jesus was taking a normal, everyday occurrence, and that was his sermon. If you came to church Sunday morning and I read those verses and gave an altar call and let you go, you go, so what did we learn today? Now, we've got, as we get into this thing of parables, now next Sunday night will be our teen night, and so uh, we won't... I won't be preaching next Sunday night. That'll be up to our teens, and um, I'm kind of looking forward to that. Pray for them. Uh, they're a little nervous, of course, and uh, I'm sure Brother Franz and Miss Pam are a little nervous as well, being uh, in charge of the teens and, and all of those things. But the disciples said, Jesus, why are you talking to the people in this way? You're not giving them anything that they don't already know. They know that people go out, they plant seed, and some of the seed, as it might be scattered in the field, would get up on the wayside or the pathway, and any of the seed that would lay exposed, the birds would eat it. Uh, some of it's going to fall into the rocky soil, and because it's shallow, the soil is much warmer. Uh, if it rains, the water is held in there, and so this seed gets like a super shot, and it grows very fast, but pretty soon it runs out of dirt, and it withers. There's enough to support the seed, enough to support the sprout, but when it gets to be a plant, there's not enough earth to support the fruit, and it withers and it dies. Some of the seed is going to fall into the edge of the field there, the thorny ground, and it's going to grow up in the thorns, and the thorns are going to choke it. And some of the seed's going to fall on the good ground, and it's going to bring forth a harvest. Some of it's going to do really well, a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. Now, there is something very unusual because how much does a normal plant produce? One fold. Okay, one fold is what the plant produces. 
it's one harvest. So you plant one kernel of wheat, you get a head of wheat. That's a fold. It said that this, this seed was going to produce super. Some of it's going to produce 30 the normal rate. Some of it's going to produce 60 times the normal rate. And some of it's going to produce 100 times the normal rate. Now that would be great now, wouldn't it? If you only had to plant one kernel of corn and get a hundred seed, get the result from a hundred plants, that would be pretty great. That, that would be an agricultural miracle. That's the only only unusual aspect of Jesus' story. And as Jesus tells the story, the disciples then say. Lord, why are you teaching these parables? There's nothing unusual here, nothing normal here, other than maybe this idea of the amount that the seed produces. And then Jesus goes into this long dissertation about what parables are. He said, it's given unto you to know the things of the kingdom of heaven. You are supposed to understand this. And what does Jesus do in just a few verses? We're going to go there. Uh, Once we finish this first part, is he's going to explain to them the significance of the parable. Now, first rule in understanding parables, let the Bible explain the parable. I mean, people come up with all kinds of unusual and interesting ideas because they didn't allow the Bible to explain the parable. Jesus is going to explain it, and I've heard whole sermons. Well, I know Jesus said the parable meant this, but you know, if we look at it this way, well, Jesus didn't intend for the parable to be looked at that way. He intended for it to be looked at only the way that he planned on it being looked at. It wasn't something for you and I to comb over and see if we could find some interesting new thing that Jesus forgot to tell us about. And that's where our cultist friends go and get thoroughly messed up in the Word of God. It is a clarifier of truth. That's the number one goal of a parable. And if you've been around, we've spent time on this as well. A parable, unlike any other kind of teaching, is a double-edged sword. It clarifies truth to those who have truth. It confuses and takes away truth from those who don't have it. No other teaching method in, in that known to any teacher in mankind can accomplish both things at the same time, except for a parable. And of course, the only person who used true parabolic teaching, if we want to use that as an adjective, is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We as human beings, we can put forth one point either to understand And by the way, mankind is pretty good at putting forth teaching to confuse people as well, now isn't it? Uh, Just listen to the political rhetoric. Uh, It is out there to confuse you. You have no idea what is being said. And by the time the news media gets it, wow, 
it is, there, there is so little sense going on in our world today in the realm of politics. But Jesus said, listen, it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not. So it's either going to clarify the truth and focus you on truth, or it's going to confuse you and take you farther away from the truth. You are meant to study the parable. Almost every major parable in Scripture, Jesus explains. There are some that he doesn't explain because he didn't feel that he needed to. The message was very simple and the message was there. And so he goes through and quotes this thing from Isaiah and from the prophets here talking about having eyes that cannot see, but I want you to get the focus of this passage here. Verse 12, it says, For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Jesus is using the parables. Remember, he's teaching to Israel. He's teaching to the Jewish people. He has presented himself as the Messiah. Have the people accepted him as their Messiah? Some have. Most have not. The disciples really understand at this point. Uh, I believe that they understood that Jesus was the Messiah. I don't believe there was a lot of things they understood until after the resurrection. He said, those that have are going to get more. Guess what? The disciples got more now, didn't they? And those that had nothing, had no faith, had no belief in who Jesus was, they would listen to him teach this way, and they'd just shake their heads and say, he must be a prophet of some kind, but he makes no sense to me. And they'd walk away. Why were the Pharisees? And the scribes and the Sadducees, the priest, were the Sadducees so adamantly opposed to Jesus. Was it not that they had never heard him preach? When he was in trial before Caiaphas and before Ananias, the high priest, he said, ask the people that heard me. they, having no faith, had even less understanding of his words at that point than they did at this point. Do you see how the parables work? So you've got to be very careful with parables because you can end up in a never-never land of total confusion if you're not careful as you investigate the parables. Just a few rules that we have already gone over, you cannot understand a parable unless you take the literal meaning of the words first. Otherwise, you have nothing to compare it to, nothing to put it to. It is not all figurative or allegorical. The message that is illustrated by the parable cannot violate any other passage of Scripture. 
The Bible is one book. It has one message. It does not contradict itself. Therefore, if you come up with an understanding of a parable that contradicts another part of Scripture, you know you're in trouble. You stop. Don't go back and study the parable. Study the clear passage of Scripture and then go back and study the parable. Amen? I mean, this is just... I I hope you don't mind. I mean, I'm... Uh, uh, going over these things and and uh, and uh, I'll I'll guarantee not everybody's going home and studying parables on a regular basis. But if you're doing your Bible reading schedule, you're going to be reading the parables, and you need to be thinking about them in a biblical way. And uh, by the way, uh, we've had many people talk about. Uh, over the years about Bible college, and if if you'll stick around, let me tell you, you will get a Bible college education just by being in church because we're going to give you the ability to study God's Word for yourself. Amen? When you were at Heartland, you heard a lot of things there that you already heard here, didn't you? Uh, I know because I know the teachers there. And they're going to teach the scriptures. And what we want to do is we want to make sure that as we study parables and you read the parable, your understanding is going to confirm Bible doctrine. Not build Bible doctrine. It's Jesus did not give parables to give a new understanding of new things that aren't clearly spelled out in the scriptures. He gave the parables to give you a more clear understanding by looking at the picture than you would have if the picture of the parable were not there. And so, as you read through the parable, you have to understand Not every detail in the parable is going to fit perfectly because Jesus is using this parable to teach, to clarify one doctrine. Don't use a parable to clarify multiple doctrines in different places because that's where you're going to get into trouble. It's, you know, sometimes we end up, the the proverbial statement is we put a round pig in a square hole, uh, or we're comparing apples and oranges. Uh, The simple truth of the matter is, Jesus is saying, most people, if they don't start out with faith, the parable is going to confuse them and draw them farther away from the truth. It's going to take from them the little bit of truth they do have. On the other hand, if you start from a point of faith, In God, the parable is going to make God's word more understandable and bring you into a greater understanding and more obedience to God's word. Parables are wonderful things. So let's go back to the parable of the sower and let's get Jesus' explanation of the parable of the sower. Verse 18, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. 
When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received the word by the wayside. So what we have here is the sower is someone that has the word of the, of the kingdom of God, God's message of salvation, the seed, God's word, the soil, individuals. Now when someone hears the word of God and understands it not, it says the devil comes along and snatches it away. How many times you heard people say, oh, that's just one of those religious tracks. Throw it away. That's the devil working at snatching the seed. We have people that go around saying, well, the problem with the world is religion. Okay, so what do you propose to do about it? Well, we'll have a world without God. Well, even Benjamin Franklin not a great believer in God or the Bible or anything to do with morality. And his quote to Thomas Paine was, Dear Sir, the world's bad enough with religion. I'd hate to imagine what a world without religion would be. You see, this idea of God restrains some people from doing things. The answer is not in eradicating religion, the answer is in disseminating the truth. Amen? And so we have these that hear the word of the kingdom of God, and they understand it not. The wicked one cometh, and uh, wicked one, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which is sown in their heart. Now, let me ask you a question. Does it say anything about not sowing the seed and being careful not to allow the seed to get onto the wayside? No. You give the gospel to everyone. But there are some that are going to take it. They're not going to understand it. And the devil is going to remove it from their hearts before it does them any good. So what do you do? You don't do anything except keep giving the word of God. Amen? You cannot take the gospel to the wrong address. You cannot give the gospel to the wrong person. But that doesn't mean the devil is not going to be at work to remove the word of God from their hearts and their minds. Then we got, but he that receiveth in the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon, or immediately, with joy receiveth it, yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by, or in the process, he is offended. So here's the second type of soil, the second person. This is someone that receives the word of God 
and immediately with joy they receive it. But you know what it says? They have no root in themselves. There is nothing to support their embracing of the word of God. And once it gets tough, once it gets difficult to follow the word of God, they're going to have to make a choice to follow the word of God, endure persecution, endure suffering. It says they're going to get offended. And they're going to quit. Now somebody said, is that person saved? Well, that's hard to imagine that someone would be a saved because the person who is saved, the word of God endures forever. I give unto them what? Eternal life. And so the word of God must do its work, but we have people that are going to get excited They're going to be wonderful, but as soon as the word of God means they've got to give up something or endure something or have some difficulty, they're going to give up the word of God, then endure the hardness. The next next one, verse 22, He also that receiveth the seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word of God, And the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. So we're going to have people who live and hear the word of God, and it's going to begin to grow. But what's going to happen is, The care of this world, the deceitfulness of riches are going to choke out just like the thorns would quash the ability of the the seed to bear fruit. So the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches is going to choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. The word of God has no effect. It has a partial effect, but it doesn't fulfill the natural life process. Now we come to verse 23. But he that receiveth the seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundred fold, some sixty and some thirty. It says, as we take the word of God, some of it's going to be snatched up. Some of it's going to spring and germinate. And then it's going to wither. Some of it is going to grow, but it's not going to bring forth fruit. But then there's going to be some where something's going to happen. Now, as we look through this parable, the seed is what? The word of God. 
in order for you to be saved, what has to happen? The seed has got to grow. It's got to bring forth fruit. I used to look for all kinds of excuses for everybody in all these categories, but there, there is no excuse. If the word of God does its work, it's going to bring forth fruit. Amen? And we say, well, what, what about the other ones? Listen, there's an awful lot that goes into the planting of seed. You have to prepare the soil. You have to prepare the seed. Uh, you have to... But that's not the issue in this parable. What this parable is talking about is how God's Word works in individual lives. Some people are going to not receive it at all, and they're not going to get it. In the natural sowing process, you are going to give the seed to somebody who's not going to receive it. We're not told not to do that. That's not the meaning of the parable. It's just understanding that sometimes it's not going to do, it's not going to accomplish anything that we can see. But that's just part of the sowing process. Part of it, as we sow the edge of the field, is going to get into thorny ground. It's going, someone's going to receive it. I mean, stony ground. I'm sorry, somebody's going to receive it. And they're going to be the most happy person in the world. Sometimes people say, Pastor, so-and-so got saved. And, and I just, good. But you're not jumping up and down. Well, I, I want to see what kind of soil they received it. I'm not trying to be a uh, pessimist. I'm not trying to, but only time will tell what's going to happen. Some of the most exciting people we've ever met, just like a candle on a birthday cake. I mean, you can burn your finger on a candle on a birthday cake if you're not careful, but you're not going to cook dinner I mean, it's not going to go. You've got to watch and see. Some people get saved and things look really good. And the world chokes it out of them. What are we supposed to do? Keep planting seed. Amen? Amen? Because it is God that brings the harvest. God designed the seed to germinate in the field. It is God who is in charge of what's going to happen. And as our duty is, is to sow the seed. Don't allow yourself to be discouraged when it doesn't work the way you want it to work. Because you didn't design the seed. Amen? You aren't the one that originated the growth process. What your job is, is to plant the seed. And if you try to read anything in that, I remember one time working on a sermon. I'm saying, you know, people have 
all these different kinds of soil in every life. Because there are some truths of the Bible you give to people and they just don't understand it. I remember one time they said, God saved everything about that preacher except his right foot, accelerator foot. You couldn't explain to him to follow the speed limits. Or somebody saved, I remember we're talking about one old guy, he was an old military guy. God saved everything but his mouth. He just couldn't get rid of those dirty words that he used all of his life. Now, let me tell you something. That's not what this parable is teaching. Yes, as individuals, we have certain parts of our life that we don't listen to God like we ought to. We have other parts of our life that that do well, but that's not what's being taught in this parable. This parable is the work of the evangelist, the work of taking God's message to the world in which we live. Some of it's going to be snatched out of the hearts by the devil. You know why? Because they've closed their heart. Read Jesus' explanation there. It says, their eyes have they closed. Their ears are dull of hearing, not because God doesn't want them to hear, but because they don't want to hear God. Um, And so, what we have here is Jesus teaching The disciples, listen, you're going to preach the word. Some people aren't going to listen to it. Some people are going to get all excited about it and flunk out. Some people are going to start that growth process and choke out. Others are going to hear. And there's going to be a harvest. If you're a farmer, what do you concentrate on? The harvest. Are you going to get upset about the seed that didn't grow? Or are you going to harvest the seed that did? Well, that's what God wants us to be interested in. So sometimes as we're passing out our tracks, we get a little discouraged because people don't take them. People do take them and say, oh, I belong to uh, uh, Such and such a church that never taught the Bible, never has. But we all believe in the same God. Thank you for this wonderful little piece of paper. I always get discouraged by them more than anybody else. But it just says that, you know, the devil's already been there. There's no faith. It's not until God has done the work that God's word does the work. Amen? That's what Jesus is teaching. I took the notes to that sermon that I was trying to develop. Man, I thought, boy, this is great. I've never heard this before. And then I realized, well, the reason I never heard it before is because it's not Bible. God wasn't trying to teach us the different kinds of soil that we have in our lives. He's teaching us the different kind of souls that are in the world. And that we just need to concentrate on the harvest. Winning souls. Amen. If you give the gospel to somebody and they don't receive it, guess what? You keep giving the gospel. You keep sowing the seed. Even the Calvinist said, the strange thing is, the the more people I give the gospel to, the more elect I find. 
I, I could almost get along with that kind of Calvinist. But why hold the rags of medieval doctrine when all you need is the seed of the kingdom of heaven? Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the work that you want to do in our hearts. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to be careful as we read these parables, that we would look for the explanations, that we would not read extra things into them, nor that would we allow the, um, the, the workings of our own mind to add to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And before I finish that prayer, we'll just give a moment. If you'd like to pray quietly at your seat or even slip out to the altar, the altar is open. And then we'll get into our prayer time.